At first I was afraid, I was petrified I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side But then I spent so many nights just thinking how you'd done me wrong I grew strong, I learned how to get along And so you're back from outer space I just walked in to find you here without that look upon your face I should have changed my fucking lock I would have made you leave your key If I'd have known for just one second You'd be back to bother me Oh, now go walk out the door Just turn around Now you're not welcome anymore Weren't you the one who tried to break me with desire? Did you think I'd crumble? Did you think I'd lay down and die? Oh, not I. I will survive. Yeah, as long as I know how to love, I know I'll be alive. I've got all my life to live. I've got all my love to give. I will survive. I will survive. And welcome to episode 106 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Oh, and it's a very special week at the Retro Wrestling Podcast because you're getting two episodes this week for the price of one, which is always free. This is part two. Yeah, part two. Or part dose, yes, because we reviewed a Saturday night's main event that led into Survivor Series 1992, and since Saturday night's main event was only 45 minutes, you you coaxed me into watching... Another two hours and 40 minutes of WWF action but you from know 1992. You, you know you really loved this pay-per-view. I, I needed to see it. It needed to be done. Uh, we missed the dark match. Crush defeated the Repo Man. So no Repo Man on the card. It's Survivor Series 1992 from the Richfield Township, Ohio, Richfield Coliseum. In front of an alleged 17,500 people. As it's the dawning of a new generation, man. This is really when it started to... you. Hogan was gone, and things were really changing. That generation? D-generation? Oh, no, not D-generation, X. That's a, that's a different generation, but... This was around the steroid scandal era, so a lot of stars departed. You had some stars go to WCW where they had no drug testing. You had some stars go to Japan. You had some people just retire. Some people just quit. Uh, Some people got arrested. (laughs) Some people were never to be seen again. And so this was uh, introducing new stars. The next era of stars, Patrick. This is is right around when Texas Tornado was let go. Oh, yes. All the the juiced up guys. You you said that and now my mind's thinking. Sorry to interrupt. But uh, lots of guys were gone. God, just massive. I can't even think of it. It was a mass exodus. Yeah. There's an OSW review episode where they they talk about everybody that's gone. Like, the Mounties gone, the British Bulldogs gone, Ultimate Warriors gone, Hulk Hogan is gone, the biggest of them all, of course. Road Warriors are gone. Man, the list goes on and on of people. Jake Roberts is gone. See, Jake, oh, just from, it didn't have to be just straight steroids, it was everything. Yeah, just a combination of 
everything. Rick Rude is gone. Oh, dude, Rude, yeah. Luger. <laughs> well, Luger hadn't arrived yet. Luger was still in the WBF. Oh, the Narcissist right. is on his way, Patrick. Don't you worry. That's right. that's right. The changing of the guard here in WWF. The Brain Busters are gone. Uh, a lot of stuff has really shifted around in the WWF in 1992. And this was the really a taste of what was to come for the next uh, four years or so. Uh, not a total revamp because Hogan would reappear at WrestleMania 9 and then at King of the Ring and you would get some some returns like Bulldog would come back and other people would come back. But Well, that's a steroid scandal. Vince goes to trial. Hogan testifies for Vince. He does. He testifies on his behalf, which earned Vince's love and affection once again back into the fold. Vince is wearing a neck brace going into Yeah, he gimmicked it up. Courthouse. Yeah. He gimmicked that up. It oh, I don't know. A... I don't know what actually happened. Okay, cuz that was my thing is I'm trying to figure out what actually happened. I've yet that's one of those weird wrestling mysteries that you're like, "Why?" and you never can figure out why. Hogan was on the shit list because he went on Arsenio Hall, though, and lied about using steroids himself. That he had never used steroids. When you had other wrestlers like Roddy Piper, who's also gone, uh, admitted to it during the trial. So, Piper was in the shits, but Hogan, since he testified for Vince, everything's cool there. That he had never used steroids. Well, he testified that Vince had never sold steroids. I think he testified under oath that he did use steroids under oath. When he, I mean, when he's facing perjury charges, he, he told the truth about his own use. But when he's on Arsenio Hall, he said, Look, brother, I never touched the stuff. <laughs> this man, this massive man who's... I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, Hogan. And also, Ultimate Warrior is gone, and that presents a huge problem for this pay-per-view because that was the main event of this pay-per-view. It it's was. still on the poster, even if you pull this up on the network to this day. It's Macho Man standing next to Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Maniacs, were supposed to take on Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. That was the match, with yeah. Mr. Perfect in their corner. Mr. Perfect, who had been recovering from back surgery for the past year, so he wasn't supposed to even wrestle at this show. But things... Well, after everyone got fired and the shit hit the fan, Saturday Night's main event got canceled, everything was going to hell in a handbasket, so Bret Hart ends up with the world title, Shawn Michaels ends up with the IC belt, and they are now the new main event of this pay-per-view, and the tag match has been reworked, as uh, we'll find out. I had never thought about it, but do you consider the steroid scandal trial forcing kind of the new generation to start or will we absolutely st- or will yes. we still be stuck in limbo with the 80s giant holy shit big old guys if it hadn't happened had they yes had they not cracked down i mean this was around the time that vince was still trying the world bodybuilding federation like ico pro banners were in the crowd like yes we would have still had massive got just giant men giant burly men if it wasn't for the steroid trial we'd never get to know what bret hart and Shawn michaels were as single stars really as push single stars they would have been mid card for life i think because you would have had guys like bulldog and luger probably would have actually been to top and stayed at the top even given their limited mic skills mr mcmahon welcomes us to richfield ohio in the survivor series 
It's on a Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving tradition, like no other at Survivor Series. Vince and Heenan run down the card, unlike what they did during Saturday night's main event, where they didn't mention most of the card. Nope. And the matches they did mention, well, one of them didn't happen. The, uh, one of the two matches they mentioned didn't happen. So, well, one of the three. So, they mentioned the coffin match. So, so they mentioned the coffin match. Taker will meet Kamala, the Ugandan giant. The nightstick match as Nails finally seeks revenge against his evil prison guard, the Big Boss Man, and Shawn Michaels will battle Bret Hart in a match that is just happening for unknown reasons. Macho Man and Mr. Perfect. Hold on. Hold the phone. Macho Man and Mr. Perfect? Yes. yes. The Perfect Team will team up to take on Razor Ramon with Ric Flair, Owen Hart, and the Birdman, Coco Beware. High Energy, formerly known as the New Foundation, is also Jim the Hanville Neidhart, also got the boot during this time. So, Owen was now paired with the Birdman, Coco Beware. They're going to start things off for us tonight. Their opponents are already in the ring, and it's the head shrinkers, Samu and Rikishi Fatu. Samu begins with Owen. Afa is outside eating chicken, Patrick. Yes, it is a giant turkey leg, or chicken leg. I guess it would be turkey for Thanksgiving, I guess, would be maybe what they were going Might be like a wing, though, too, because I saw him holding like the wing. Yeah, thing. it's definitely a chicken. It's a wing of some sort. Something. So. Owen can't take the big man off his feet, but he finally does with a crossbody, then a drop kick, an arm drag, and another drop kick. Then the Birdman tags in, and we were in for a ride here. Birdman rams the Samoans' heads together, but guess what? Nothing happens. Afa then cracks Coco with a kendo stick behind the ref's back. Samu and Kish keep Coco in their corner. Samu slaps on the Magna Claw on the Birdman, and then Birdman gets clotheslined. Coco gets a sunset flip on the big Kish, but eats a crescent kick. Samu works over Coco for a long time, but Owen gets a hot tag, drop kicks the Samoans, hits a flying cross to Samu for a two count, then he runs right into a power slam, and Kish hits a top turnbuckle splash, and the head shrinkers, that's right, the team that didn't get an entrance, the, the jobbers, win the match over high energy. So there you go, the head shrinkers, still going strong here in 1992, as uh, these guys were always relied upon to uh, put on a good show. And they did it here. It's unfortunate it was Coco for most of the match, not Owen. Because uh, Coco looked like shit in this match, to be honest with you. Why do you, why do you think that? Because he just didn't do anything. He, I know... I understand that you keep the guy in the corner and you get the heat on the guy or whatever, but you've got to do something. You've got to even show some fire. Even when he showed fire, it was like... No, no one believes that Coco's <laughs> going to come back and win this match. And when he got the hot tag to Owen, the natural conclusion is like, oh, well, Owen's going to win the match now because Coco, we've spent this entire thing watching Coco getting crushed. But they just lost anyway. So really didn't like the finish of the match, but the head shrinkers always put on a good show and uh, would continue to do so in this company for... Years to come until they had to start replacing the guys in the head shrinkers. So, there you go. They wanted to keep it going forever. The brain scan has Bobby Heenan draw a hat on Rikishi and a turkey on Owen. Because, of course, Owen's a turkey for losing. And Rikishi's a pilgrim for some reason. Sean Mooney is backstage and he warns us about the adult nature of the upcoming nightstick match. I don't know what exactly they're going to do with the nightstick that would be adult. I hope it's not what I think it is. 
Or the way it sounds. Yeah. So, in comes Nails and his awesome digitized voice. It's awesome. Nails' deep computer voice. Are you sure that's it? Or, like, they digitized it in there? Yeah, because he would show up in WCW and they didn't do it and he'd talk in his regular... He still had a deep voice, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like this. They they put effects on it here. Well, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, I would like to offer you a friendly warning, an admonishment, if you will, as we approach this incredible encounter. Who knows what may be the end result of this matchup, and I must warn the faint of heart to use viewer discretion before you take a look at the action. It is a nightstick match, where a nightstick will literally be hung on a pole 15 feet high in the ring. The first superstar to reach the nightstick will be allowed to use it throughout the match on his opponent. Now, this encounter was designed to settle the score once and for all with the big boss man and nails. And with that in mind, I am going to attempt to get some comments concerning this encounter from Nails. Your thoughts as you approach this devastating matchup. I've been waiting for this day for a long, long time. When I was sitting in that six by nine cell for the past 2,478 days, I laid awake thinking at night when I got out, what I do to the big boss man. Well, now I'm out, big boss man. This time, you don't have those six other prison guards behind you. This time, you will not be able to handcuff me to that steel bunk bed. Boss man, you and your other prison guards know how good of a climber I am. Boss man, I'm gonna climb that 15-foot pole. I'm gonna take that nice stretch. I'm gonna take it and break both your stinking legs. I'm gonna take that nice stick and cram it down your stupid stinking throat, boss man. When I get finished with you, not even your buddies at Cobb County Jail are gonna recognize you, boss man. I was an innocent man. I was put there for crimes I did not do. Do you understand me, boss man? I'm gonna beat you within an inch of your life, and this time I'm gonna finish the job. You're gonna learn what it's like to serve hard times. Nails has been waiting for this day for a long time. This time, Boss Man's on his own and doesn't have six other prison guards to back him up. He's gonna break Boss Man's legs and then cram the nightstick down his throat, which is, yeah, sort of homoerotic. <laughs> he says he was an innocent man and he's gonna learn what it's like to survive. Mean Gene is with Boss Man as Nails makes his entrance, which I thought was a really cool idea that it was a split screen. You see Nails coming out and Boss Man cuts his promo at the same time. Yeah. Like, I like this. Yeah. I think this is a good idea instead of the picture-in-picture box or whatever. Boss Man says Nails should have had a life sentence and he's going to make sure Nails gets some hard time. Ew. All right, Vince, obviously, the big Boss Man and myself hearing the comments of Nails. Here's a man who contends he's been innocent all along. Yeah, Nails says he's an innocent man that he's committed no crimes. But we all know that that's wrong. I've seen his file, I know the report, and I know the crimes he's committed against society. And by all rights, 
he should be serving a life sentence because he cannot live with regular people like me and you and the other citizens of this country. The plain and simple fact is the big boss man's got a job. And that job is to make sure that trash like Nails serves nothing but hard time. And right here at Survivor Series, I'm going to make my job come true for every man, woman, and child that believes in law, order, and justice, that believes in the big boss man. I'm going to make sure that Nails serves nothing, nothing but hard time. Hey, 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 wait a minute. Big boss man, see that Nails is in the ring. Vince, let's get back to you. Bossman runs out without theme music and just goes right after Nails. Heenan says, you're not going to see any wrestling here on a wrestling show. Fonzie, RF once again. Nails goes for the nightstick, but Bossman just pulls him down. The rules of this nightstick match, you can get the nightstick, but you still have to pin your opponent. You can use it to beat his ass, but you still have to pin him. And once it's down, the other person can use it as well. Right. Nails and Bossman just throw punches. Bossman throws a nasty right cross that rattles Nails. Bossman goes for the nightstick but gets slammed off the buckle. Heenan claims Nails was in prison for unpaid parking tickets. Bossman then misses a running splash to a downed Nails. Nails goes for the nightstick but gets crotched on the ropes. Bossman clothesline Nails over and goes back for the nightstick. But Bossman has trouble getting it off the pole, but he finally does and the crowd goes apeshit for it. But after a couple hits, Nails just snatches the nightstick away from Bossman and now beats Bossman with it. So for a second here, you think that the prisoner is going to beat the prison guard. A lovely outcome for the children. But Bossman just hits the Bossman slam, one, two, three, and gets his nightstick back. And the crowd loves it. Nails, meanwhile, I thought Bossman should have put him in cuffs here, taken him back to jail. Yeah. But Nails just walks off. Yeah, I agree. It'd have been cool if they handcuffed him and he walked him out. Vince says he doesn't know if this is over. It is. Nails will be released and then later accuse Vince of sexual harassment. Really now? Sue the company, yeah. How did this uh, happen? I'm curious. I, we don't... That that part's a mystery. How... Nails is a massive man to yeah. have, even for Vince, even juiced up Vince to try to sexually assault this man. I'm having difficulty believing it. The case was dismissed, so... Apparently the judge did too. Yeah. Uh, He was upset over his payday for this show. He apparently only got like six grand for this show. So he... That was the reason he... got six grand. That's all he got. Nails. Times were tough, Patrick. Got more than Kamala got. How much did Kamala get? Six hundred dollars. Undertaker got ten grand for doing that match. Kamala got six hundred bucks. Ric Flair and Razor Ramon are dressed in purple. They match. I love this. I love it when teams match, even if it's two random guys. They're in purple. They're with Mean Gene. Mean Gene reveals that Mr. Perfect turned on them. That asshole. Nine days ago on Superstars, Macho Man picked Kurt Henning as his tag team partner as Warrior just vanished from history without explanation. This caused Heenan to freak out and Perfect ditched Heenan and Heenan smacked Mr. Perfect and then begged for forgiveness when Heenan... Gets grabbed by the tie by Mr. Perfect and then gets down on his knees and begs for him to stay. Please don't leave me, please. And and Mr. Perfect just drops a pitcher of water on Bobby Heenan. All right, with me at this time, one of the most awesome tag teams ever assembled in World Wrestling Federation history. I'm talking about Razor Ramon and former two-time World Wrestling Federation champion Ric Flair. Gentlemen, it was less than two weeks ago that the Macho Man, Randy Savage, dropped the bombshell. You thought you were going to be meeting the ultimate maniacs, 
but no. You had the rug pulled out from underneath yeah, you. you. That, All right, of a brother. sudden, well, you, he made a, an announcement, oh, gentlemen, that I could not believe. He selected a man to be his partner that knows more about you, Razor Ramon, and more about you, Ric Flair, than any does. man alive. Your that. former executive consultant, Mr. Perfect. Let's see how it all unfolded on Primetime Wrestling. Possibly this guy could be the perfect tag team partner for me to go against Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. Uh -huh, a bunch of intelligent Confucius hey, around the table there. Nobody's yeah, you got don't, nothing you don't, kicked in. You don't yeah. mean... Who do you mean the Read perfect... between the lines. Oh, man. Do you mean that perfect tag team? Do you mean no. Randy Savage? No. Who do you mean? Spell it out. Come on. Spell it out. It's Mr. Perfect. You I take orders from Flair. You're gonna take orders from me and Flair. Flair wants you to walk behind him in his shadow. You do it to say yes, sir. Whoa. Keep your mouth shut. Whoa. I'll do the same thing. He is not wrestling anybody. He is not getting in the ring and serving you something, Heenan. I am sick and tired of everybody making decisions for me. Savage, you want an answer? I'll give you an answer. I accept. As wait, you wait, wait, I, can't oh, I said, I accept. Hey, I'm you, talking. Don't wait, you hear me? Don't you hear me? I'm sorry. I'm Let me to tell you something right now, Heenan. You don't put your hands on me. No, wait a minute. Survivor Series, wait, I'm going to be no, in the corner of the Macho Man Randy Savage. I accept this, Savage. And Bobby Heenan, I'm going to tell you, you put your hands on the wrong person. You just got done putting your hands on Mr. No, Perfect. Please. You don't touch Mr. Please. Perfect. I know, I know, I know. You've been I'm holding sorry. me back all these years. You've been putting me on the back burner. No. Ric Flair has been walking in my shadow. Wait. Ric Flair wants to fill my wait. shoes. Wait, look what they've done to us. Look at their doors apart. I didn't mean to hit you. God knows I'd never do you that. Hit me. Oh, you never do that. Off of me. I'll get down on my knees. I'll get down on one knee and tell you something. Please, we'll never do it again. I'll never do anything wrong. I oh, promise you, sure. I'll buy you a car. I'll get sure, you a boat. Sure. I'll give you double the money you could have made. I'll get on both knees perfect. Please don't leave us. What a Please terrible don't, don't do that for Please. a man. Please don't oh, do what? that. Please what don't. The? No, no, no. What do you think about that, Ric Flair? What do you think about this wet weasel? Macho Man Randy Savage, I'm back, and I'm back in the Survivor Series as your partner. Believe it or not, how do you like that? I'm back. Hooker, is this an attempt? by you and the Russian Federation to rub my face in this just a little more. I've seen all of this I need to see. Perfect. What are you thinking about, my friend? You have had the opportunity of a lifetime. You have walked in the same light. You have shared the same lifestyle. You have basked in the glory of the nature boy. You have walked in the shadow of greatness. You know why? Because I allowed it to happen on a daily routine. Long limousines, jet airplanes, any woman in the world you wanted. Just like that, you know why? Because of me. Now, my friend, you have made a career decision. You have stepped to the other side of the track. And for that, you will answer not only to the nature boy, you will answer to the almighty Razor Ramon. 
Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, it could be the perfect tag team. His partner, as you very well know, the Macho Man Try Randy Savage. Tonight, esta noche, two things gonna happen. We're gonna prove nobody's perfect, and we're gonna prove only one man in the WWF oozing machismo, and it's me, not you, savage, you one-legged punk, and perfecto. <laughs> Chico, if there's anything left when Ric Flair gets done, the razor gonna carve you up. All right, gentlemen, I thank you very much. I witnessed this one. Remind them of one thing. This is the Survivor Series. And, boys, you've got to survive. Let's get back to ringside. We go back to Flair and Gene. Flair says he's seen enough. Flair says Perfect walked in the shadow of greatness, and Flair did it all for him. But now you have to answer to him and Razor. Razor says, Gene Mean... We're going to prove that he's not perfect and only one man oozes machismo in the WWF and that's Razor and he's going to carve you up. That is really good. No, not that good. <laughs> uh, the model Rick Martel is in the ring with Tatanka's feathers on his captain's hat as Rick Martel thought he was a ship captain for some reason and he needed Tatanka's precious eagle feathers for his cap. Tatanka then runs out to the ring to a decent pop as... He was on an undefeated streak. He was on his Goldberg streak here. The streak is on the line. He loves chops. This man loves chops. He's a, he's a Native American, and he loves chopping. Martel, he, he needed a tomahawk with him. He did. They had foam ones in the crowd. They did were they? selling them, really? but uh, he didn't have one. Martel gets back body dropped and drop kicked before rolling out to regroup. Martel jaws at Tatanka, but gets atomic dropped and knocked out of the ring. Heenan mentions the Cleveland Indians didn't win anything, so why should Tatanka? Martel hits the stun gun to Tatanka, but poses instead of covering him. Martel puts the Native American in a front chancery, but Tatanka hulks up and vertical suplexes him. He goes right back to the front chancery as <gasps> Doink comes down the aisleway. Doink before he had a name. He was just a random clown. And he makes balloon animals in the aisleway. He makes a balloon dog. Martel hits the neckbreaker for a near fall as Doink keeps making balloon animals. Martel goes back to the front chancery. Tatanka's tights give him a bit of a wedgie while he's on the mat. I didn't appreciate the camera work, sir. Doink then makes a coiled-up snake with the balloons, which I thought was pretty good, actually. For I, If Matt Bourne learned balloon animals just for this gimmick, he did a pretty damn good job, I would say. Tatanka nearly falls asleep in a sleeper but hulks up again. Chops to Martel, who rams his own shoulder into the post. Tatanka then chops the injured arm. Tatanka backslides Martel for a near fall. Locks in an arm bar, but Martel throws him out of the ring. The model goes outside to break the count and throws Tatanka against the apron, so he stupidly cost himself the count out win. He brings the Native American back into the ring, delivers stomps and knees to Tatanka's back. Martel goes to the second rope, tries for the double sledge, but Tatanka counters. Then he goes on the warpath. His hulking up is him stomping around the ring in a tribal-like fashion. He slams Martel, goes upstairs, hits the big tomahawk chop. A Samoan drop 
And Tatanka puts Martell away and gets his precious Eagle Feathers back. Eagle Feathers, which would maybe get you arrested? I'm not sure you're supposed to have Eagle Feathers. They're protected species, so... Well, uh, I would say if you took them alive, if you oh, pick them I off see. the ground, I don't think would be a problem. Yeah. Oh, good point. Right, I found them on the ground. But I'd be like, sure you did. Yeah. You killed that eagle. Doink! After all, he made all those balloons, Patrick. He did all that work. He popped them. He popped them. Just right in front of this kid's face. What an asshole. This made kid. it, gave it to the kid, then popped it. And then he, he laughs and he leaves. That's brilliant. Which, by the way, Raw would debut in January of 93. Vince still didn't know Doink's name in January of 93 because on the first episode of Raw, he called him Dork instead of Doink. The man who made the character doesn't remember his fucking name. Dork! Vince is very bad at his job, by the way. Being an owner of a billion-dollar company? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) This man has made a billion dollars to be so clueless about... His characters and what goes on in his company. <laughs> Sean Mooney's was Macho Man and Perfect. Perfect says Flair was walking in the shadow of Mr. Perfect. He says Razor is oozing something, not machismo, but whatever it is, it stinks. Macho says he knows about surviving. Macho doesn't like Mr. Perfect, which is a great thing to say to your tag team partner before you go out there. He says he doesn't trust Mr. Perfect, another great thing to say before you go out there. But he says they think they'd be a perfect tag team. What sense does that make, Patrick? I don't trust you as my radio partner. See, I'm sitting here trying to contemplate what he meant by that. Because I'm sitting here thinking that... I think you're going to double cross me. Yeah. But... Why bring it up before you head to the ring? Well, joining me, it's the unlikely duo of the right. Macho Man Randy Savage and Mr. Perfect getting uh. set to take on Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. Now, gentlemen, earlier we heard from your opponents, and Mr. Perfect, I must say you have been involved in some very controversial situations. This has got to top the list. Ric Flair, this has got to be killing you. For you to see me standing up here next to the Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage as his partner has got to be killing you. Did I hear Ric Flair refer to shadows that Mr. Perfect was walking in the shadow of Ric Flair, following in Ric Flair's footsteps? Let's find out what reality is. Reality is, Ric Flair, since arriving in the World Wrestling Federation, you have wanted to be just like Mr. Perfect. That's right, just like Mr. Perfect. Well, Ric Flair, that's too bad. There's only one Mr. Perfect, and that's me. And Razor Ramon, big man, big muscles, oozing machismo, you're oozing something. But it's not machismo. In fact, what you're oozing stinks. And Bobby Ah. the Brain Heenan, you have tried to keep me on the back burner for the last year and a half. You know why? Because you didn't want me to face Ric Flair or Razor Ramon. Because you know that I can beat either one of those two guys hands down. Down. You're right. Well, Macho Man, I, I must congratulate I you. I have Thank never you. seen Ric Flair or Razor Ramon so enraged, and it's all over the fact you have chosen Mr. Perfect as your tag team partner. Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, because they're really going to be upset in a little while. It's named the Survivor Series, and nobody knows more about surviving than the Macho Man Randy Savage. Ten days ago, I didn't have a tag team partner, and everybody knows the key to surviving is that you'll do anything that you can 
to survive. But a lot of people have criticized the Macho Man Randy Savage. They say I have sunk to the lowest depths to pick Mr. Perfect as a tag team partner. Now just hold on one second. It's true. I don't like you and I don't trust you. But I got a compliment coming your way. Nobody knows Razor Ramon and Ric Flair like you do. And another compliment is I think you're a superior athlete. Yeah. Even though we've never met in the ring, I think that you and me could be the perfect tag team. Now, what do you think about that? I think you're right. Ooh. I think we can be the perfect yeah. tag team, hands down. Dig it. I can dig it. This Ric way. Flair, woo! Folks, hold on for the action. Let's get out to ringside. Yeah, maybe talk about this afterwards. Right. Say, yeah, I thought you were maybe going to double-cross me out there. That's That That was my thing, was I'm sitting here trying to, even when you were saying it, I'm trying to contemplate. I guess it's... I guess it's to give you, the viewer at home, the idea that Perfect will turn. But, like, we even see an it makes Macho look like an idiot, though, to say, I don't trust you, I don't like you, let's go be tag team partners. True. It just makes Macho look bad. True. Now, this was to be the main event, and here it is, fourth match in. Earlier this year, by the way, Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble. And here he is in the fourth match in a throwaway tag match. That's crazy to think about. So... Flair and Razor are out first. Macho Man comes out alone. And Heenan's like, where's Mr. Perfect? Where's Mr. Perfect? So Macho Man grabs the mic, and he introduces Mr. Perfect. And we get the big roadie run with the cameras. Mr. Perfect comes out. This is his in-ring return from back surgery from a year or two ago. So, welcome back, buddy. I guess, had the Ultimate Maniacs actually worked this match, I guess Perfect was going to turn on Flair and... Razor, I guess, would have been my thought. Probably. Toothpick to Perfect, gum to Razor, so they each have their things to throw at each other. These guys used to be tag partners in the AWA, so... They did. Perfect is who got Razor hired in the WWF. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, he put in a good word for uh, Scott Hall. Perfect gets the best of Razor and then bails out but comes back in, chops Ramon and Flair... Flair tags in and is fired up to fight Mr. Perfect. Perfect just decks him, back body drops him, drop kicks him, follows that up with clothesline and corner chops, really laying him in. Flair does the flare flip and Macho knocks him out of the ring and then just rolls him back in. Perfect tags in Macho Man who delivers an axe handle from the buckle. Macho then smacks Flair and tees off on him. Macho runs wild on the heels until Flair can tag out. Razor does a double choke throw on Macho Man then stomps Macho. The heels get heat on Macho for a while here. They team up for an assisted abdominal stretch. One holds the other's hand while they stretch him. Flair woos at Mr. Perfect from across the ring. Macho elbows Razor out of the abdominal stretch but gets stomped by the heels. Flair gets the tag and chucks Macho outside where Razor throws Macho Man, slings him against the stairs, and rolls him back in. Flair hits his signature knee drop. He then makes a tag sound, a blind tag sound, and the ref falls for this. And Razor tricks the ref into believing a tag was made, so Razor comes in and locks in the world's laziest half-crab on Macho Man Randy Savage. (laughs) Mr. Perfect then teases leaving the match, which I thought was weird, too. He said he didn't trust him. He did, but why even go out there to begin with, then? Macho somehow got busted open, I guess, from the, the stair spot earlier. Ramon just continues the assault as Flair holds Macho down and gets a ton of right hands to the face for a near fall. Flair tags in, crucifix, pins Macho Man for a near fall, but Ramon just comes back into the ring. Macho has been getting his ass kicked forever in this match. A choke slam from Ramon to Macho Man, but Mr. Perfect 
has a not change of heart since he was always in Macho Man's corner, walks back to the ring and breaks the cover. Flair comes back into the ring. Heenan mentions Macho Man has been in the ring for 10 minutes. Flair struts and woos to Macho Man, clotheslines him. Flair goes to the top turnbuckle. Guess what? Doesn't work out. Macho Man climbs up, slams him. Perfect and Ramon both want tags. They get him. Perfect tosses Ramon across the ring. Neck snaps him, chops him, atomic drops him, delivers knee lifts to Ramon and Flair. Macho and Flair battle on the outside, and Flair hits the lightest chair shot in the history of chair shots to Macho Man Randy Savage. Perfect takes Flair out of the match, and the ref takes a bump. A new ref comes out, and Razor sets Perfect up for the Razor's Edge, but Henning escapes. Perfect flex, but suddenly there's no ref around. New ref finally gets in the ring, but Flair breaks the count. We get a perfect plex to Flair. Hebner climbs in, and we only get a two count. Now the refs don't know who is legal, and they just call for the bell. And Flair puts perfect in the figure four. Razor goes and grabs a chair. Macho Man stops him, hands the chair to Mr. Perfect, who nails Flair to get out of the figure four, and then slaps the backs of the heels with the chairs. Then Fink awards the bout to Perfect and Macho due to disqualification. The backstage officials scoot Flair and Ramon to the back. Macho and Perfect in grandstand and pose and give each other a long-delayed high-five. As Mr. Perfect, after all this, was still not convinced he wanted to be friends with Macho Man Randy Savage. And they get the high-five and the thumbs-up. Well, it was way too long, and I understand that Perfect had ring rust, so they probably didn't want him in there a long time, but it didn't have to be a long time. Macho didn't have to get his ass kicked for ten minutes. You could have just sent Perfect in there. Get the win over Flair. Because Flair would be gone next year. Yeah. In just a few months. And I'm sure he had already given them inclination that he was probably going to go back. So, just have Perfect get the win. Get somebody over here. Get something out of this. I mean, it's already been bad because it had to be rebooked. But get something. Make somebody a star. I didn't get the, the layout of the match and the way in which they executed it. Mean Gene is with Ramon and Flair. Flair says next time Flair and Ramon will end it for good. Don't worry, there is no next time. Flair just shuts down Mean Gene and rambles on about them needing to pay the price for what they did. Out next, the pay-per-view debut of Yokozuna coming to the ring with Mr. Fuji and Geisha Girls in the ring with Flowers. You know who's going to pay is none other than Virgil. Well, too bad Virgil has no money to pay, so he's got to pay in getting his ass kicked. Virgil called him Yakazuma. Zuna does his sumo pose as Virgil jukes and jives. He had a boxer gimmick, remember? Virgil can't take the big man off his feet. Drop kicks are no sold from Yokozuna. So naturally, with a giant sumo wrestler, Virgil tries a sunset flip. Guess what? It fails. And Zuna just crescent kicks him. Zuna hits a lifting side slam, sort of like a rock bottom to Virgil, the Anawahi family here. Virgil then rocks Zuna with strikes, but Zuna stays on his feet. He hits a quick sidewalk slam and a massive leg drop. The crowd fucking loved this. Virgil tries an inside cradle, yes, on Yoko Zuna. An inside cradle. Zuna just sits on him and stops it. Bonsai drop, and Virgil is dispatched. And there you go. The brain scan has Heenan draw potatoes on Yokozuna. And Yokozuna is a monster, a beast, and you can tell they've got big plans for this guy. As Yokozuna runs over in the corner and Virgil flips out and is going for the small package. And Zuna just sits on him. 
that is the most disturbing thing. Because he doesn't even like squat down or nothing. He just ass bumps. And he lands on Virgil. And you can just tell Virgil's like... Oh. Virgil's a very little man compared yeah. to Yokozuna. Yeah. Every, everyone is a little man compared to Yokozuna. Mooney is with the perfect team. Mr. Perfect went out and bought a raw turkey. That's right. Somehow, Macho Man and Mr. Perfect have props. Actual props. A raw turkey for Flair, and a raw turkey for Razor, and of course, a raw little chicken for Heenan, which he smacks away like he does with chewing gum, which was hilarious. He smacks a chicken out of the camera shot. Razor Ramon! And Ric Flair, what are you so upset about? This is the holiday season. Let's put a smile on your face. And keeping in the Thanksgiving theme, I have a perfect gift for you, Ric Flair. I have the perfect gift for you. This is for you because you're an unhappy guy and you got to learn how to smile. And Razor Ramon, don't think I forgot about you, Razor, because I got one here for you as well, Razor. Here's a turkey for you as well. Bobby Heenan, did you think I was going to forget about you during the holidays this Thanksgiving? I would never forget about you. I have one for you as well. Heenan, this one is for you because this is what you remind me of. A little chicken, a little weasel. (laughs) Did I make the right decision for a tag team partner or what? A turkey for a turkey, yeah. Hey, can you guys say... Gobble, gobble, and that's something, yeah. You're the best, brother. You're the best. No, you're the best. We did it. We're perfect, yeah. We absolutely are perfect. Time for the only Survivor Series match on the Survivor Series, but it's not a true Survivor Series match, Patrick, because the tag teams are just gone when one loses. Yep. And it's your favorites. And, oh, you got really lucky here, Patrick, because originally the Sheep Herders were supposed to be a part of this match. So... Thank the Lord. You could have gotten a little bit more of Mike Wasses. <laughs> oh, uh... Jameson. Jameson. Yeah, you could have gotten a double dose of Jameson. You would have loved that. Why Why do I got to go to the pant stop? More Beverly Brothers and... Oh, good Lord. Bushwhackers for you. Jeez, man. I hate the Beverly Brothers. I Sorry, dude. I Anytime too. I see them, I'm like instantly like, oh, God, just get it over with. Yeah. So the Beverly's are out with the genius, which of glory and renowned, who doesn't get to cut a promo. This is all he does yeah. is read poems. What do you do tonight? Not Cut it short. Not anything. They're paired with the tag champs. You could have had a tag match here for the belts. And now, fuck it. Money Inc. is out, and they have Jimmy Hart. Who's a bad guy now? Well, I guess he had been a bad guy with the Nasty Boys. He had The Nasty Boys went good, and Jimmy Hart stayed bad. So, Mike Rotunda. Man, he might have the record for most retro wrestling podcast appearances. <laughs> he shows up in almost every single show we do. IRS does get a promo. Guess what, Patrick? Guess what? I'm going to take a guess at what he, he says here. Uh... What would IRS talk about? He says, if you want to survive... Pay, pay your taxes. Don't be a tax cheat. The natural disasters are out next, which do get a good pop as Earthquake was over as a face here. They're paired with the face nasty boys. Mike Enos of the Beverly's Blake, 
We'll start with Typhoon. Bo Beverly gets taken out by Earthquake after an Earthquake splash for the big whoopsie. Typhoon gets eliminated by IRS with a schoolboy. IRS gets taken out by Jerry Sags with an inside cradle. Guess how much work the Nasty Boys did in this match? Jack fucking shit. (laughs) I was supposed to say. And Heenan even calls him out for it. Yeah, they just stood on the apron the whole time. So, thanks a lot, guys. You're winners. Yeah, the Nasty Boys are the good guys. They are the whatever. The Nasty Boys somehow. Of all the teams, who do we need to give heat to out of all of you? Oh, the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Yes. So, But anyway, Money Inc. posed with their belts anyway as they leave because, hey, we have belts. Just want to remind you. And they would have these belts for a long time, by the way. Long time. Maybe go to WrestleMania 9 before they would. Well, they still they they kept them, them in there. too. Call the Survivor Series hotline. You can chat it up with Tatanka, Mr. Perfect, and Macho Man on the phone. I don't think you could. Heenan says, you want to call Mr. Perfect? He's got something. He wants to call him, but then he just turns away from the camera. We go to SummerSlam footage. It's Kamala Splash Taker, but Taker rose from the dead and chased him away. On Superstars three weeks ago, Kamala got scared of a coffin, thinking Taker was in it. Then on Wrestling Challenge two weeks ago, Kamala freaked out because Bear rolled out another coffin and he ran away. Taker's been in the wood shop making a coffin for Kamala. We actually see Undertaker being an Undertaker. Very weird. It's rare that you actually see him. It went like a month and a half, though, of excerpts here. Carving wood. Carving wood. He had to make a a big casket for And hammering hammering the, the casket together. It was just extremely hilarious. This gigantic coffin. Taker says Kamala will rest in peace and closes the coffin. Whippleman brings out Kamala with kimchi. Taker's gong hits to a massive pop, and Paul Bear wheels out this huge fucking casket with Taker following behind this him. This thing is massive. And it's got Kamala's... Uh, it was nice that Taker painted uh, Kamala's shit on it on yeah. the outside. Yeah. Also that he padded it with nice purple padding. Made it nice and comfy. Uh, the kayfabe reason is because what if Taker loses? He wants it to be comfy for himself in there. Yeah. So he's think you know... He's he's a pessimist sometimes. Uh, he goes old school on Kamala. Kamala just chops on Takers. That is Kamala's main offensive weapon. Him and Tatanka have the same thing. Chops. He knocks Taker out of the ring. Kamala goes back to Chops. Runs Taker's head into the steps. He hits Taker with Kimchi's hat, which Taker sells briefly, which I thought was funny. Oh, the hat. Oh, my goodness. Kamala smacks Taker with a chair. I guess this is no DQ since it's a coffin match. But you need to, a pinfall, too. You need both. Just like the, uh... It's weird, because there are some coffin matches where you have to get a pinfall first before rolling them in, and then there's some that's just like roll them in. Yeah. This is like the nightstick match, where you have to actually win the match and then do whatever. Yeah. Power from the urn brings Taker back to life, and he no-sells two body slams from Kamala before finally selling the third. Kamala splashes Taker three times before Kimchi trips Bearer, And the urn goes into the ring. He gives Kamala the urn, and Kamala is too stupid to know to smash Taker with this urn. He's like, what what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Well, Taker isn't stupid. He picks up the urn and decks Kamala with it. One, two, three. Taker. Dirty heel Taker here. Gets a big pop as he wins and rolls Kamala in the coffin. Rest in peace. But that's not enough, Patrick. He takes uh, nails and a hammer. Not nails the wrestler. No. Takes 
takes regular He's nails. actually got to put him... And he, he nails him into the call. The funny thing is they're already pre-started. Yeah. So all he has to do is just sit in there and two, <laughs> yeah. two hits and it's all the way I in. thought, man, he's damn good at this. <laughs> I know. He makes it look <laughs> like, so boom, easy. Boom, 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 And I'm like, damn. But then it wasn't until I saw him set one in there and you can just see it standing up by itself while he's getting ready to hammer it. So. At least he did that. Yeah, it'd be quite scary to be in there. Like if I was Kamala knowing that nails might come flying through this thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mooney is with Shawn Michaels. He asks about Sherry's injury and accuses Shawn of causing it. And Shawn denies it. Then Mooney asks about Brett. Shawn says, Bulldog beat Brett. I beat Bulldog. Therefore, hey, I'm no mathematician, but that means I can beat Brett. Yeah. Sean. Which makes, makes sense. With me now, the reigning Intercontinental Champion, Sean Michaels. During the past month, we have witnessed an incredible turn of events in your life. Conspicuous by her absence, your manager, Sensational Sherry, who right now is recovering from injuries she suffered during a confrontation you had with Marty Jannetty. And many believe it was you to save yourself who pulled Sensational Sherry That's a lie. in that, front of that a charging is, that is a Marty Jannetty. Nonetheless, without your manager, less than two weeks ago, you captured the Intercontinental title from what seemed to be an invincible British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. And tonight, here at the Survivor Series, you face a man many believe is the greatest scientific wrestler of all time, Bret the Hitman Hart. And he is indeed a fighting champion during his short tenure. He has defended the title more than any man in World Wrestling Federation history. You want to talk history there, Sean Mooney? Let's talk a little history, okay? Who is the man that beat Bret Hart at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental title? Well, the British Bulldog. That's right. Now, who is the man that defeated the British Bulldog quite easily, I might add, to become the new WWF Intercontinental Champion? Well, you did. Everyone That's knows. That's right, me. Now, for all you mathematical geniuses out there, one and one make two. Two belts. See, when I signed for this match, Hitman, I knew I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Your belt's on the line. Mine stays right here. So tonight, all over the world, the last thing the people will hear is, ladies and gentlemen, Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion, and new World Wrestling Federation champion has left the building. Yeah, even even Scott Steiner math works out on this one. <laughs> Sean then makes up his own rule and says his belt isn't on the line. Nope. Just like that. Where's Jack Tunney? Where is he at for this ruling? He just says, nope, I've got nothing to lose tonight. I don't care. He says he's leaving the building with both belts, and that's that. Sean comes out to the Sherry version of Sexy Boy, even though she's injured. Mean Gene is with Brett. Gene talks about his title win. Again, we have to remind you how he won the belt without showing you how he won the belt, even though this is a pay-per-view. We paid to see this. You can show us some footage, right? And mentions how he never turns down challenge in the last two weeks, and he's beaten a bunch of jobbers, which he names off. I'll include the promo. Brett doesn't care about the match. He just talks about Thanksgiving and gives thanks for being the champion. One thing about Brett and Sean's feud, and it went until their until the end. He always calls him both first and last name Shawn Michaels. Well, you know something Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels. 
boy toy. Oh yeah, when he was in Playboy or he's whatever. All pissed off. Playgirl. He kept calling him boy toy. Yeah. But yeah. He's always Sean Michaels. Sean Michaels. Sean. Listen, Sean. Let me tell you, Sean Michaels. And then when Brett's talk, or when uh, Sean's talking about Brett, he's like, "Listen, Brett." He's yeah. like, "Brett, who? Uh, there's lots of Bretts. No, there's not. There's one Brett. Sean Michaels. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Sean Michaels. I did everything in eight years, and he's the highest of the highs, and he's the excellence of execution, and he's feeling excellent. Well, I would hope so. I vividly recall recently up in your home country in Canada, Saskatoon, you defeated the nature boy, Ric Flair, and made World Wrestling Federation history. You did it with your patented, painful leg submission hold, the sharpshooter. Since that time, you've embarked on a most ambitious series of title defenses. You've said no to no one. You've taken on all comers. I recall in two and a half week span of time, you met and defeated, get this lineup, the Mountie, the Berserker, Rick the Model Martel, Big Papa Shango. Most recently, you defeated Virgil. You did it with the sharpshooter. Tonight, this title, your title, Bret Hart, the World Wrestling Federation title is on the line as you meet Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels. You know, Gene, Survivor Series and Thanksgiving have always been held in real close association. And everybody around the world knows that Thanksgiving is maybe the most special day for giving thanks. And nobody knows more about giving thanks than I do. As I stand before you right now, being the World Wrestling Federation champion, took me a long time to get this far, Gene. Mm. And Shawn Michaels, it's not about giving thanks for surviving one night. It's like surviving eight and a half years. That's what I've been doing, Shawn Michaels. I've been surviving a long time. I started out on the bottom, Shawn Michaels, of the World Wrestling Federation. I started out taking on everybody, clawing and fighting my way to the top, fighting my way through injuries, pain, all kinds of opponents, all kinds of shapes and sizes. And it didn't matter who it was, Shawn Michaels. I went through the tag teams. I went through the Intercontinental. But you know, Shawn Michaels, I've won a few, I've lost a few, but I'm right now, I'm at, at the highest. I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion, and I'm proud of it. Shawn Michaels, you're a great wrestler. You got all kinds of great moves, and I got nothing but respect for you. You're going to be a great Intercontinental Champion. But Shawn Michaels, tonight, we're going to find out who's going to survive as the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And the excellence of execution is feeling pretty excellent tonight. Big roadie run for the Hitman's entrance. Earl breaks him up after they tussle into a corner. Sean is quickly out. Matt wrestled by Brett and shoves Hart, who shoves him back. Good lord. It took Earl forever to get between both of them to get them separated. Gotta keep these two separated, as people would find out later on in these two's career. Brett grabs Sean's arm and turns it into a wrist lock and then an arm bar. And just like WrestleMania 12, Patrick, I go on and on about it. I hate this. Why does he do this? He doesn't... His finisher is a leg move. It's a sharpshooter or a back. It hurts your legs and your back. Sure. Whichever one you want to believe. Okay. It hurts both. But he goes after the arm. He focuses on the wrist locks arm bars and he did this at wrestlemania 12 too and it just really pisses me off that he just doesn't go after the leg it makes no sense it makes okay well here here i'll give it to you because they only went like 35 minutes oh i know this is a fucking (laughs) marathon like and the 
These two aren't a stat like these two aren't established superstars. Not yet. They are not on the level but of they Hulk were, and Taker. They were earning that spot tonight, damn it. They were showing their shit. And so well, if you like rest hold, yes, they earned they needed to fill time. But as for WrestleMania to fill or for the Iron Man. They were practicing. Well, you gotta fill an entire hour. I know. Let them let them work some arm bars and Chin locks, but here but I just I don't. It doesn't make I, any sense. I do agree with you. Here it's it's redundant. <laughs> A sunset flip nearly wins the match for Hart. Hart goes back to arm locks. Sean gets out, throws some heavy rights. Brett gets a near fall, goes back to the arm. Sean hits the stun gun to Hart out of desperation. Hart then rams his shoulder into the post by accident. Michael sends him chest first into the buckles for a near fall. Michaels goes to a chin lock. Hart elbows Michaels in the chest as they stand up to escape, but eats a reverse elbow from Michaels, who gets a near fall. A backbreaker to Hart for a near fall. A chin lock again from Michaels on Hart. Hart punches out of this one. A swinging neckbreaker to Sean. Sean beats him to his feet despite taking the neckbreaker. Should never happen. And then punches Brett in the face. Michaels goes to the front chancery. Hart stands up, shoves Michaels into the corner and delivers shoulders to Sean's midsection. Sean whips Hart to the other corner, but eats a big boot. Brett hits his second rope bulldog, misses his second rope elbow drop, and Sean gets a near fall out of it. And then Sean goes right back to that front chancery. He goes for face locks. His finisher doesn't have anything to do with the face. And Brett goes for arm locks that have his finisher has nothing to do with the arm. So both guys here, not very logical working style. Well, this finisher had something to do with the face. Was... A little, yeah, that teardrop suplex, if he could get it on you. Uh, he hits it later on here. Was it, though? It was, like, barely. Like It was. It made a teardrop out of my eye because of how bad it was. <laughs> it, it's a shitty teardrop suplex. Part back suplexes Sean and both men are down. They get up. Michaels tries a Thez press but gets catapulted into the post. Brett kicks Sean in the buckles. He does his high sell. He goes five feet into the air from these kicks. But this time I like it. It's not so bad because he only does it once and he gets crotched on the ropes. Yeah. I'll accept that. Brett hits a Russian leg sweep for a near fall. Backbreaker into Brett's second rope elbow for a two. A superplex from Brett. Ref takes a bump. Brett being a face checks on him. Doesn't matter, ref is fine. Brett gets thrown out of the ring by Sean. Sean has to break the count several times to keep Hart from getting counted out. He wants the belt. He's not a stupid heel. Sean then whips Hart to the buckles. Back body drops him for another near fall. Sean hits an O'Connor roll for a near fall. The super kick connects! But Sean is too tired to go cover Brett Hart. And he calls for his real finisher, the teardrop suplex, which he, he calls for it like... Uh, Taker does with the fucking tombstone. He, like, does a throat slash for the teardrop suplex. Brett then rakes his eyes. Not very face We know somebody else who does a throat slash. He who shall not be named. Then Sean hits the teardrop suplex. Allegedly. I still don't buy this was the teardrop suplex. And well, okay, what what makes it not the teardrop Because it wasn't... Isn't the teardrop... The teardrop suplex is more, like, angled. This just looked like a belly-to-back suplex. Well, he's got him angled in an L-shape between him and he's here, and he hooks between his legs, and he's got him up. Are you saying you want him to go over, kind of like an angle slam? Maybe. He just needs to be more... It needs to be more fluid. Okay. A more fluid motion. Okay. Not so rigid. Okay. It's in the raw video game for SNES. I should actually... I should plug it in, show you what the teardrop suplex looks like in the video game. I don't think they put it in 2K19. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. 
If so, I'm putting that shit as a, as a secondary. Don't do that. You'll never win any matches because Brett kicks out of it at two. So this finisher sucks. Uh, big flying forearm from Hart gets HBK tied up in the ropes, but Hart misses him and bounces off the ropes badly. Holy shit, did he and bounce hard. Spider-Man's off of it. Michaels tries a second rope drop kick, but this would be his demise as Hart just catches him, puts him in the sharpshooter, and ding, 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 this tiring affair, this match that went seemingly forever, 2640. 2640? That feels short compared to what it actually felt like. As this, it, it did feel like 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> as Bret Hart wins the first of this long feud, which would not end well for the Hitman overall, or the Shitman, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would call him. <laughs> then, the real main event of the night, Santa Claus, comes to the ring and delivers Bret a hat and his winning check. He gets paid. <laughs> Is that what that is? Uh, that... I think it's supposed to be like he's donating the... I don't know what the check was supposed to be, actually. Was it an actual check? Because I thought it was just a, a blue envelope. Maybe it was the naughty or nice list. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be. I think it was a check. Santa paid him. He got the winner's purse. By the way, yeah, this is still in November. This is the day before Thanksgiving. Way early for, yeah. for this uh, stuff. Uh, so, it snows in the arena. It is Christmas. Brett then has to share his first ever pay-per-view title defense celebration with St. Nick. Good old St. Nick. And there you go. That is Survivor Series 1992. Yeah, well, things fall apart quickly, don't they, Patrick? What, From uh, 91 to 92, what a difference a year makes. What do you, what do you, what do you think of this pay-per-view? Whew, I think this is a slog. This is a real challenge to get through and there's nothing worth going back and seeing on here even i don't know i enjoyed nails and boss man martell and tataka perfect savage flare razor except that shit needs to go a lot shorter yoko and virgil is actually entertaining i'm not i'm surprised i'm saying that about a virgil match but it was short and sweet and to the point it was a good squash match yeah taker kamala casket liked it and then the main event, I did like. You get Sean and Brett, no matter when it is, it's Sean and Brett. So. This is their worst match together. And sadly, it's the first main event they had together. And it's by far the worst out of the bunch. Even given Montreal. <laughs> so, man. Really? You give Montreal over this? Yes, it's a better match. <laughs> I was excited to see how that match was actually going to end. But we know, we'll still never know. Yeah, who knew? Five years later, these guys would be in a uh, very different type of... Very different setting. It all started here. The five-year culmination... The, the build. The five-year build started tonight. Culmination. Yeah. The road to Survivor Series gang rules started in 1992. It was a Survivor Series with no real Survivor Series matches, which is crazy. Even the four-on-four, four, it wasn't... They didn't do it the way they normally do, right. where every... it's. One person at a time, not, oh, you go down, your team leaves. Yeah. And it sucked. The Beverly Brothers, man, just instant for me. Like, as soon as I see them, I'm like, I want to turn this off. I love the Natural Disasters, and I love Money, Inc., but, man, Nasties. I can do Nasty Boys, also. I don't say I love them, but I can deal with them. I can do them. 
I like them in Beverly Brothers, man. As soon as they walked out, I was like, fuck it, I don't even want to watch the match. Yeah, uh, it was garbage. The Yokozuna squash match is interesting for historical purposes, but really the only match I would go back and watch, because it takes 3 minutes and 34 seconds, but <laughs> it really gets Yokozuna as a monster heel over. And of course, I mean, the debut of Doink on a pay-per-view is very important to the history of wrestling. So there you go. That was Survivor Series 1992, a dark time in the WWF, it was... and uh, it showed. It very much showed. The lack of star power, the lack of hot feuds, and they had to reorganize things at the last minute anyway, so that didn't help. On our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, Survivor Series 1992. Doink. Yeah, I'm going to give it a dink. That's going to get a dink <laughs> from me. Dink, a tall, tall little man. Because, uh, including his wig. So, that was my pick for last week, was Saturday Night's main event. You added on the Survivor Series. So I should really take the pick this you week. You want to take the pick? No, you can have it. That's okay. fine. It's your pick this week, Patrick. Where will we be going shopping at the old pay-per-view store? You said this was a lackluster event that you wish you had more stars. Well... The Rumbles around the corner. Uh, I love Rumbles. You love Rumbles. One of my favorite matches. We both agreed. Uh, a man who kind of shaked up this past pay-per-view is going to be yet again shaking up this week's pay-per-view as we head to Royal Rumble live from Atlanta, Georgia, Phillips Arena in 2002 to see the return of The Godfather, the return of Gold Dust and the return of none other than Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Wow, so two Mr. Perfect returns back to back. Wow. Yes. That is quite a week. Alright, I didn't realize that was in Atlanta. That was in Atlanta. Oh man, what was I thinking? I should have been more involved in pro wrestling in 2002. I just wasn't. I Spoiler just... alert, I think Maven has a special here. Is this... Oh no. <laughs> Good. Another footnote. In the fine. When they, when the, when Taker finally does retire, that is one footnote that we'll likely want to cross out. That he tried to give the rub to Maven. Maven. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. This two-part episode. Three, it was nearly three hours of us. That's, you You almost didn't make it yourself, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING for a free month trial. 4,100 hours of content, Patrick. Pay-per-views, shoot interviews, uh, indie shows, I mean, just a ton of different show, Legends shows, uh, just so much on there. Yeah, so head to powerslam.tv, use the promo code RETROWRESTLING. I'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline is a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Sean and I always got along. I mean, right, right from the start, right from the first day he came in, to, we always got along. Um, I can remember a lot of having a lot of fun with uh, Sean and Perfect. We can remember sometimes with the TV tapings, we remember playing baseball with some, it wasn't even a real baseball bat, yeah. but we played with a, I don't know, like an axe handle or something. Yeah. We had a whole Our baseball version game of stick in the ball. back. You know, it was a lot of fun. I considered Sean one of my better friends. You know, he came to my house. He, you know, visited my kids and 
You know, we, we were pretty tight back then. I had a lot, and I often, you know, I can say this quite honestly, I often went in to, and batted, went to bat for Sean. And I never ever, I always had a lot of respect and praise for his work and often, uh, you know, put in a good word to Vince. That's somebody I thought I could work with down the road. And, um, and Vince was open to all that. He would seem to be of the same thinking that Sean was a guy that was, had a lot of talent. There was no doubt even then that Sean was a phenomenal athlete. I've always said that Sean was one of the best athletes I've ever seen that ever got into wrestling. So I was kind of a fan of Sean's right from the start. I, I always said, I like to think back then I did a lot to, um, you know, help steer him and to help him get to sort of just stay right over my shoulder kind of thing because you're not far off from where I'm going to be. You're going to be one of the next guys. I always thought saw that with Sean and like to think I helped contribute to helping you get climb yeah. up ladder. No, and that's the thing. I mean, there was a mindset of, you know, we're going to show every because both have we both had to deal with sort of the same stuff, you know. Uh, so we were going to, you know, we were going to show everybody that we, you know, that this business could run on the shoulders of two guys like this. They could get in there, tear the house down, and, and so there was a very much a mutual respect and admiration for one another. It was a palpable feel that the business is changing, and it's, you know, changing for the better and, you know, and changing to pe people that, you know, and I don't want, to, don't want to imply that, you know, oh, the old timers, they weren't committed the way we were. It's just, just a very, you know, a very different love and respect, you know, for the business and a commitment and, and all that stuff you know, to those of us that were willing to go out there. And it didn't matter if there was 500 people, 5,000 or 50,000, we were going to work just as hard every single night. And, and that was being recognized. I mean, and that was, you know, that we were, you know, we, that was enough for us to, to draw, you know, close to each other, you know, that, that common goal, that common commitment, uh, you know, I, I mean, and there are, there, there were, there were a number of times, I think people would be surprised if that, you know, that Brett and Sean were there together, you know, celebrating something. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.